host Keith the Madman Coming straight to you with movies, cigars, and a brew Discussing movies while kicking back Whether they are good or they're bad With the hottest movies and non-release I am talking about details and what I see So tune into the podcast while I vent With reviews, news, and nonsense, yeah And now... Recorded live from the capital of the first state of these great United States, Keith. The movie I'm going to talk about tonight is actually a movie that is not coming out on the big screen. It's actually, I, though I did see it as, as a preview in, on a on a press tour. The movie's actually coming out on demand through Netflix. Worldwide, March 31st. So uh, one of the advantages of having a Netflix release is that they can do a worldwide release um, rather than, you know, introducing to separate markets at separate times. So this is uh, a movie called The Discovery, and it's written by Charlie McDowell and Justin Later, who also had one prior credit for a movie that they did together. I don't remember the name of it. I didn't see it. Uh, so this is really his second movie, and he's got a pretty stellar cast involved with this. He's got Rooney Mara, Robert Redford, Jason Siegel, uh, Riley Keough, uh, Ron Canada, and Jesse Plemons are all the principals that are in this movie. It essentially addresses like an, a really profound question. What happens to the world when you prove that there really is an afterlife? They kind of sidestep the theological discussions. They focus more on the scientific elements of it. It's really rooted in ground-level science and like a gritty world. The overall tone of the movie, to me, and especially as it unfolds, is a little bit, little bit reminiscent of the eternal sunshine of a spotless mind. When this movie opens, you have Will, Will who's played by Jason Siegel, on a boat that's pretty deserted with the TV blaring in the background. And Isla, who's played by Mooney, uh, Rooney, I always want to say Mooney Rara. It's uh, Rooney Mara. It's such a strange name. <clears throat> they're, sitting on, they're sitting on a boat, and he's, there's a TV blaring in the background talking about the number of suicides that's happened in the past year and a half since it was discovered that there truly was an afterlife. And Jason gets up and turns the TV off. And she's like, I was listening to that. And they kind of have this sort of awkward back and forth. A little bit is touched upon about uh, people that are committing suicide, etc. Um, and they kind of get off in this very desolate sort of dock. It's just like, you know, Ferry pulls up, lets these people off. I'm not even sure where they were, to be honest with you. I never really kind of grasped where they actually were located. But clearly it was an island with a ferry. <clears throat> and Jason's brother... Um, Toby comes to pick him up, who's played by Plemons. Uh, and they, they, the exchange between these two kind of had that feel like, all right, they're going to bump into each other later for some reason. <clears throat> and sets up where the love element in the story is, because it is ultimately about a, 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 love, uh, a love element with this movie. Um, they, they did have a spark, and they really were very good on screen together. Siegel and, and Mara were very good on se- uh, screen together. 
But as we go, as we drive away from this dock, we come to find out, and we go to this sort of compound that looks almost like a cult with different with different people wearing different over um, overalls, designating their status or something on the, on the uh, on the this huge plantation or you know for you know compound that they have. We find out that <clears throat> Robert Redford, um, who we saw very early in the movie briefly um is indeed his father and he's visiting and we also learned that he played that w- that will played a part in the discovery his father's kind of been in hiding in the year and a half since because um it's been a, it was a year and a half since he made the announcement and somebody committed suicide practically on live tv and so he's kind of been in in hiding ever since then so the entire movie kind of unfolds with a lot of mysteries. You don't know exactly what it is that they've they've discovered about the afterlife, and that's kind of the drive of uh, Rod, Robert Redford's uh, character now is to is to discover and prove what you know what happens afterwards. Not just that it he's proven it, it you know that people do have an afterlife. He hasn't proven what the form that takes, and. There's other mysteries in it, as as we come to find out. We start to, there's, of course, Isla comes back into the picture, and I won't describe how she comes back into the picture, but there's a mystery around her. There's a mystery around uh, the mother, the wife of, of Robert Redford's character, the mother of Will, um, because you learn that she she committed suicide at one point, and you don't quite know what that was, how that intertwines with the movie. And then it seems as it gets further and further along, there is a very there's a greater and greater depth, and then you get to a revelation point, which I think was quite quite well done. I mean, obviously um, the the director there, Charlie McDowell, is there, uh, some, and I'm going to actually play for you. I, I recorded the Q and A. Um, it's actually on the website. You can go out and see the actual uh, Q and A with with with. Um, Jason Siegel and Charlie McDowell, they both were there. They answered a lot of questions. Um, and in true form with any of these, the questions that are in the beginning by the moderator tend to be pretty good. And uh, sometimes it's, you know, it almost inevitably falls off the rails when you start asking people in the crowd because half the time it's almost like Chris Farley, you know, that Chris Farley skit where, um, you know, you got the famous guy sitting there and do you remember that time that you did blah, blah, blah? Yeah. And then, and there's no question. Um, there was almost that almost seems like whenever somebody gets that opportunity to say something, they make it about them. They, they have this long blah, 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 blah. And you're like, where, where, what, what was the question in there? Where was it? And usually at the end they tack a little question on. So you clearly understand that, uh, that that's what it's about. And, um, but even besides that, sometimes I think what's funny, even when you hear that, and it, it makes me, you know, feels like I'm getting my teeth drilled when people start doing that. But I think it's more interesting to see how the actors and talent uh, react to some of these. And, and there was a little bit of funny stuff in there uh, for this particular um, go around. But anyway, I'm going to include the audio uh, at the end of this as a, uh, and not the trailer. I think you should go see this movie. Um, this is a movie I I think it le- it kind of hung with me for a while afterwards. Uh, it, it's not a theological 
Um, they they could have went a lot of different directions. They could have made it about religion. They could have made it about uh, a myriad of things and that, that would have been different than what they did. They made it more like an arrival type of feel, sort of a slow burn. And some people I heard say that left uh, friends that had seen it and they said they thought it was a little slow in the beginning. I was completely in, enraptured in because I kind of liked that, that slow build vibe and you kind of were trying to un, un, unfurl all of these mysteries that were, you know, uh, woven together in a tapestry, but not everybody likes that. So I do have 30 minutes here of them talking and answering questions. And it was actually quite interesting. And he, he talks about his, his, uh, that, that eternal sunshine, a spotless mind. I didn't think about it until the, until Charlie said it. And I clearly see that now. Um, obviously when you see the whole thing, uh, you'll, you'll understand a little bit how that plays in, but just the feel and the vibe of stuff. And he said one of his favorite movies last year was Arrival. Um, and that, that to me kind of gives you an indication of where his, his, his head was. And that was that sort of slow burn, sci-fi, on the ground, gritty um, portrayal. With, with a, a, And the key here is that, that emotional element that you have between, you know, the, the loss of, of a mother and, and, and a love story that kind of, unf, un, uh, you know, starts to burgeon inside of it um but this movie left me with a lot of questions i think i had as many questions afterwards as i would in it going in so um stick around i'm gonna there you'll hear my little blurb here on the um where you can find all this stuff and if you want to see the video i've got it out on my youtube uh, page the actual video or go to my website at moviescarsandabrew.com and you can see the actual video of the q a um i give this one an a minus it's going to be out on march 31st i think you should see it you have been listening to the movies, cigars, and a brew podcast. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spreaker, and Stitcher. Find reviews of other movies, cigars, and beers at moviescigarsandabrew.com. Give a like on Facebook or follow Keith on Twitter at Movie Cigar Beer. Your trailer is coming up next. Well, congratulations on your film. Um, This is Charlie, and that's Jason, in case you don't recognize Um, I want to ask Charlie, how did you come up with the idea for this? What were you thinking? Uh, Is this on? Yeah. Uh, So, my uh, Justin, my writing partner, um, we just we made this film called The One I Love together, and we had just finished shooting the film um, and we were driving from Ojai, California to LA which is about an hour and a half drive and uh, and Justin said I have a new idea for a film and I was like oh god <laughs> it was just relaxed we literally just wrapped um, and he said uh, he said he'd been thinking about this idea of what if the afterlife was scientifically proven um, what what would people do um, and, and we just started to kind of go down this rabbit hole of all these different ideas and um, I think the idea of um, is death really death anymore um, or are you just constantly living um, and then this idea of would people then take their own lives to go to a new place um, if, uh, if death wasn't so precious um, that became really fascinating to us so we, we kind of came up with this 
this big idea um, and then started to write uh, the Thomas Harbor character. Um, and we didn't have we didn't have the other characters figured out yet, so we just started to write that character in the opening interview scene, just to explore what it was sort of about. And uh, and it was like a ten page scene that we wrote, and I gave those pages uh, to Rooney Mara, and she said that she really loved this idea in this world, and she said, okay, well, I really want to be in this film. Um, and then I was like, oh shit, well now I gotta write a really good girl part. Um, you so, wrote a good girl part? Yeah, so it was like two, uh, yeah, yeah, two 32-year-old 30 guys trying to write uh, a really good female part. So we, we focused on that a lot, and, and um, I think for us, she became the, the emotional sort of focal point to the piece. And, and, then, um, and then the idea of uh, the Will character and, and sort of seeing him becoming the audience's eyes through this story, um, we felt like that was the best way into it. Jason, I'm going to ask you about taking this role. Um, this is the second dramatic part you've done in a row after uh, the end of the tour. Um, I see you as a real film noir kind of guy now, because uh, this is like a detective story when you're investigating what is truth. Um, can you talk about shifting your career from comedy to these more dramatic parts? Sure. Um, hey, everyone. Thanks for coming out tonight. Um, <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah, well, for, for me, which, which we were just talking about outside, um, when my TV show ended, um, you know, I entered that show at 24 years old, and when I finished, I was 34, and I realized... I yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I just realized that I was in an entirely different place than I was when I entered into that thing, and with a little bit of distance, um, I realize that it's sort of the role of an artist to check in with where you are in your life at any given point. Um, because my job, I view it now, after talking to people I really admire, is to be going through real personal stuff and, and allowing an audience to see it. And so I just realized it's been a while since I checked in, you know? I, I did Forgetting Sarah Marshall, and that did really, really uh, great things. But um, I really went down that road for a long time, and at some point I was like, you know what? Like, not so scared of girls anymore. <laughs> I, sh I should I should start doing stuff that's more reflective of being a, a grown man, really, who's trying to figure stuff out. Like I said, I think you're like Frederick Murray. You're going to do the flubber comedy, and now you're going to do the detective stuff. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. I still have a freaking hairline. <laughs> Charlie, can you talk about the use of time in your film? Because I think that's sort of an interesting element that you play with. Yeah, I mean, maybe I just don't want to be living in the present. I don't know. No. Um, uh, yeah, I think I just think I, I visualize a lot in my head, um, whether it's memories or um, picturing what something could be. Um, and, and I think, I don't know, I, I just think about that a lot. And so I think... Um, this idea of that we're sort of stuck in this loop, um, trying to trying to do better in the next life, um, it, it just became really interesting to us pretty early on in, in writing the script. Um, we kind of had the the first act and the third act. We knew where we wanted the Will character to end up, um, and then we had no idea what the second act was going to be. Um, so it was about filling that in. But um, but yeah, I. I uh, 
I don't know. I just think it for me, it's just a, a place that my mind sort of wanders, and and I, I think you know I like to play in this sort of grounded um, sci-fi space, I guess, um, which is about for me focusing on um, honesty of, of character um, and letting the sort of sci-fi be the, the backdrop almost to the world. So well, it's that reality fantasy duality that you have in the film. But yeah, you're a realist looking at something in a very sort of fantastical. Right you know, or non-linear. Right, yeah, and, and I think for me, like, I always want to play with this idea of the audience saying, what if this happened? Um, so I, I think, you know, in the one I love, uh, I won't give it away if you haven't seen it, but it's, there, there's a question very early on of what if this happened to me and my significant other, what would we do? Um, and again, it, it plays in fantasy, um, but it's, uh, but, but but yeah, we, we believe it, I think, as an audience. Okay, what, what would I do in that situation? And I think the same was with this film. It's like, okay, well, what if this happened? You know, what would my thoughts be? And I think if you keep it grounded, then you can kind of take the, the sci-fi or the fantasy element as far as you want to take it. Jason, I'm going to ask you about the morality of the character. He's sort of a voice of reason in the film. He's sort of a moral compass, but then he sort of wavers. Um, what, was like, what was it like to play that, and what was your process in doing that? Well, it, it's a really interesting question is like, um, what becomes so important that you're willing to violate your own morality? Um, and I thought that that was, that had to be a really compelling love story between Rooney and I, so that when the moment, you've all seen the movie now, I'm not giving any away, when, uh, when, you know, when the moment comes to put your money where your mouth is, where the right thing to do is to dismantle that machine, he can't do it um, for really what are selfish reasons. Right. And I thought that that was, uh, that was a really interesting journey to have somebody arrive just really sure that the right thing to do was to, was to put an end to something and finally realize like, oh, I really relate to what my father has been going through all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm chasing this for personal reasons, yeah. I'm gonna open up to the audience for some questions. And I'm gonna go with you because I can see you. <laughs> awesome. Delight. Yeah. Hi, uh, my name is Tristan. Um, I'm a film student at Drexel, and I just wanted to ask. Uh, so sorry, this is super like ambiguous, got a really big question, but it's for both of you, kind of. Um, so I want to direct, uh, and one thing that I really want to ask both a director and an actor is, um, if you want to talk about this movie or any movie that you worked on, is there something that, as a director, it was just kind of like a breakthrough, aha, like this was a really difficult note to give, or same thing as, a, as an actor, like what was that one thing that a director did or said that was just like really helped you get into that character, feel where you needed to be? I mean, I've only made two things, so mine's probably pretty <laughs> short. Um, uh, um, I, I try to, uh, I try to never play the director role. Um, which, which I think my instincts early on in at film school were to be like, okay, what is what does a director do? What am I supposed to say? Um, I try to to be as um, human and real as possible. So any conversation that I have with actors, and I mean, this is my second film, and the cast that I worked with is like. Now it's like now that I think about it more, it's like insane that I got to work with these people. But yeah, it's it's insane that Redford's in this film, and 
Um, yeah, but it was, so for me it was less about, okay, well how, like, what's some great thing I'm gonna say to Redford or Jason or Rooney? Um, it's more like, I don't know, we kind of all came together in a way that's like, let's just have discussions, let's get on the same page, let's talk about these characters, let's talk about the story, let's talk about the scene, and, uh, and play and find it. So for me it's about kind of coming together with this funny group of people and, and us all kind of putting our heads together and figuring it out together. And then for me, um, you know, as, as someone who cares a lot about visual storytelling, um, I do all of my my work in, in prep, um, and I, I storyboard pretty much the whole thing. Um, I have a lot of conversations with my DP, and, uh, and I sort of create the film beforehand, and then I see how the, the scene's playing out in rehearsal, and, and a lot of times I just kind of throw out what I had planned before because something else, you know, comes out of it. But, um, but yeah, to me, it, it's about having that, doing that work and then being able to adapt to whatever happens on set. Well, I, my first really formative experience with a director was when I was doing Freaks and Geeks with Judd Apatow. And we would have guest directors who would direct each episode. And we were all really young and we were really new. That was a lot of our first thing, our first-ish thing. <laughs> And I remember a really specific moment that is funny, but has really stuck with me, where um, we had a guest director, and I was 20, and I was doing a scene that I thought I was doing real good. And, and then the director came up and he's like, that's good, but I'd like you to refocus your energy towards the outside. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we do it again, and I, I'm pretty sure I did it good. And then he comes back, he's like, that's good. But really, really, refocus your energy towards the outside. I'm like, I, okay. And then I just hear Judd Apatow, who's also behind the monitors, go, he means louder. <laughs> and, I, and that made sense to me. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, uh, oh, he just wants it louder. Like, just, I'm happy to do it louder. You don't have to, like, I'm not sensitive about this. Like, you know? And I get some idea of artistic tiptoeing and all that, but I've always been, and Charlie and my relationship is like this. I'm much better with louder than refocus your energy towards the outside. Um, so there was that moment. Because I always, I, I learned at that moment, just like Judd was going to treat me like that, I want to be like that for the director, where the director can just say louder or faster. And it saved everybody a lot of time. And then um, the other thing was on end of the tour when, I, when James Ponsel cast me for it. And honestly, I did not feel, I don't know why he had chosen me. Um, it was a great honor to play David Foster Wallace. If any of you are fans of his, he's a brilliant, brilliant man. And uh, I asked James, before I said yes, I said, why do you want me to do it? And he said, he said, you can do this, 
He said, every time I watch you act, even when you're doing comedy, there's something very sad behind your eyes. And like, I instantly felt like someone could see me. I felt embarrassed, you know what I mean? Like, oh, he can see, he sees the in part. And, uh, but really that to me, set, and I feel the same way about Charlie, like I, I realized, oh, that's what a director is. Like that's somebody who sees this world, this art in a way that is different than just like setting up shots. He has a he has a, an artistic instinct. So those were two things for me. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Um, hi. Uh, so I have uh, two parts to my question. Uh, the first one is about the filmmaking process and how it affected your own beliefs um, uh, about the afterlife. Were you questioning things? Were there discussions that were had? Uh, the second part to my question. I hate to be that person, but my <laughs> sister is in college. She can't be here. She loves you, Jason, so much. And I was wondering if I could like record you saying hi or something. Like, oh, yeah. Shout out my sister. Um, she's do you want like, me to do the second question? <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's not a fan of me. Oh, okay. I'll just do the first one. Yeah, she's campaigning to be president of her theater club? Yes, like really hard. At Penn State University, Penn State campus. You should do like a plug for her or something. I don't know if I agree with her beliefs. Do <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Next yeah. thing you know, I'm going to campaign for her. <laughs> she, she likes you. Okay. So her name's Christy Fisher. Okay. <laughs> Are you recording now? You, you have to say action or something. <laughs> hey, Christy Louder. Fisher. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's going great! Does she have, have a doctor? Yeah, you're a neurologist. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's right. That's so funny. Um, uh, well, I'll, I'll just answer my part because my part is quick. Um, I, I think one of the big mistakes, one of the big problems in the world is that we don't all acknowledge that any perspective we have on the afterlife is a guess. That we're all just guessing. And some people are more confident in their guesses than others. But, I mean, we, we just don't know. And so uh, I just really think that all you can do is try to be nice to everybody around you and then hope for the best. Um, in terms of, yeah, I mean, of course we had discussions about religion and, and should that be sort of included in this piece. And we definitely had a draft that started to delve into religion and, and, and other things too. I think we, we had so many different drafts where we go down these wormholes of, okay, well, what do we want to explore? It's such a massive idea. Um, I think religion opened it up even bigger. Um, and, uh, and and I didn't have like a strong belief um, to include religion in this and a, a strong point of view of what my belief system um, is. So I, I, I just didn't, I didn't go into that. Um, I, of course, there could be a whole other movie that's about that with this premise. Um, but I feel like if I sort of opened 
that jar a little bit, um, it, it would have exploded. So I, I didn't I didn't go into that very much. Um, but yeah, I, 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 did it change the way I view the afterlife? Not really, because I think about it a lot more, I, I guess is how it's changed. I think for me, um, my head is so much about having to create something and make people feel something. So it's less about um, I'm exploring my belief system and more, okay, well, how do I want people to feel after this? How do I, what do I want people to talk about after this? Um, and, and for me, the sort of point of making films right now is I want people to uh, think and question and debate um, and, and have different experiences watching this movie. You know, some people will have a clear idea of what they think it means or what the end means and other people will have a totally different idea. Um, I'm trying to achieve that because uh, I think it, it, uh, it makes you think and I, I want to bring that into the movies I make, I, that's important to me. Thank you very much. Well, Charlie and I have been talking about this a little bit amongst ourselves and in Q&As, but I would do as much as you can to um, eliminate the need to ask for permission. You, you can write, write, you know, writing is something you do not need permission for. It's one of the things that Jug taught me when I was really young. He said, the only way you're gonna make it is if you write your own material. He said in that same, next sentence was, because you're a weird dude. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it was the best advice I've ever gotten. I have, I've had two or three times in my career where I could have not worked again. And I watched that happen to people. But the one thing I had in my back pocket was that I could write. And I could always dig myself out of a hole or a flop with writing a script. So I would do that, and I would get a bunch of like-minded friends together and start making stuff. Yeah, are there film students, a lot of film students here? Okay. Um, my advice was, or my path was, I tried to make um, this script that Justin and I wrote, that was a, it was like a $3 million budget. We tried to make it for five years. Um, we had casts, we had a really good cast, it fell through, the money, we had money, that fell through. Um, and then uh, Mark Duplass gave me the shot of, let's just create something and go shoot it for no money. Um, and we, we made the one I love out of that, which is literally, it was a we had a location that we could shoot at, we went to the location, we started to walk around this house, and we wrote a story that could fit this location. Um, which is such an odd way to make a movie, um, but it's a very practical way. So my advice always to film students, because it is so difficult for someone to give you millions of dollars to go make your movie, is write something that is contained, um, that's a really interesting story, really interesting characters, so it makes you focus on story and a great performances, 
and uh, and go shoot it. And 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 you can now. You can with Kickstarter and these different things. I mean, look at Sean Baker who made Tangerine. He shot it on an iPhone. I mean, there are there are so ways to just go out and and make your own art now. Um, and my advice is to work on one of those scripts. Start to put that together now so that um, when when it's ready, you can just go out and shoot it. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you. Um, let's go over on this side. Yes, hand? Go ahead. Oh, hey, good um, movie, by the way. Hey, <laughs> minus. I'll take it. But what? Why not an yeah, why not a, right, yeah, rub, okay. rub the back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, So I was wondering, given the hyper-sensational reality we live in through Facebook, Twitter, and uh, Snapchat, do you actually think it's possible for global events such as, you know, four million suicides to take place in this reality? Yeah, it was definitely a play on that. Um, because Justin and I, I don't know, we were just looking at how news spreads now. And it's so fucking fast. Um, and it's so intense. And it hits all at once before facts are even there. Um, and we believe it and we have strong opinions. And, uh, and, th and then it, and then it kind of goes away. <laughs> Uh, pretty quickly, but it, it's such an intense initial kind of rush um, And so that was definitely a play on you know today's society and that if the afterlife is proven But we didn't know exactly where but it is guaranteed it's scientifically proven um, Would people take their own life and and we came up with in in the entire world? Um, that four million people which sounds like a lot, but is a small percentage of our world um, would do that Her yeah. question was, uh, to, sorry, her question was, did we always have Netflix in mind and how did it affect our process? Um, no, we didn't. So Netflix came on, uh, well, I had been talking to them quite a bit in the pre-production process. So the idea that we were going to be working with them was uh, was definitely there. Um, but but I, I always shot this with the idea that it was going to be seen on a screen. Um, and that's why... For Jason and I, it, it's it's really important for us to, you know, to come to different cities and screen the movie and, and have people be able to see it on a big screen, um, because I, I do believe in in that experience. But I also believe in what Netflix is doing. And, and ultimately, um, while we were shooting, we made a deal to to have you know have it be a Netflix original, which is a worldwide release. And and the reason that I feel like this film works really well for that is. I think it's two things. One, I think it's a film that if you watch a second time, it's a, it's a very different experience. Um, my favorite film, or one of my favorite films of, of last year was Arrival, and I loved it the first time. Yeah, I had nothing to do with it, but... Um, but uh, I watched it the first time, and I loved it, and then I watched it the second time, and I appreciated how genius it was. Um, and... Uh, Again, I don't. I'm not going to say that I made the same film, but there there is something about you know when you have these sort of endings that reveal something more than what you understood for the first you know uh, two thirds of the film. It's definitely a different experience the second time and makes you think. 
Um, and, and then also what's incredible with Netflix is uh, it go, on March 31st, it will go out to 160 countries, um, all different types of people, different cultures, cultures, different ideas. Um, and this is that kind of movie, you know, it, it's a movie that I think globally, it's a question that we all think about. Um, and so for me, the idea that people all across the world are going to see it um, is a pretty incredible thing. And I, I think it, it's tough with indie movies these days where a lot of times, even with with uh, known actors in your film, it'll go, it'll open in 50 theaters and, uh, and a small percentage of people will see it. And, and so for me, I, I really, the idea of eyeballs seeing this film was really important for me. Try and get somebody else from the back. Please. Yes. Okay. Um, it must have occurred to you that um, there's two ideas to your premise. One is that there's an afterlife. The other is that we can recognize that there's an afterlife. And if that's true, then that means there's no afterlife. Because in fact, there is no afterlife. Life is just continuous. What that suggests is that the big issue is not the afterlife, but what is this life? And I think, interestingly, People are likely, if such a scenario emerged, as you suggest it does in your script, then people would commit suicide. A lot of people would commit suicide because the very fabric of their life will have collapsed. I wonder if that occurred, if, if that's something. <laughs> well, I don't know if this is a direct answer to your question, but in the... For me, when I read the script and started tackling the material, there was, <clears throat> as, a, as opposed to uh, a lot of what literally is happening in the movie, there was a really great metaphor at play that I really related to. There's this feeling that I have been saddled with my whole life that is a feeling that I might describe as anywhere but here or anything but this. And it's the kind of feeling that uh, is like, oh, if I only lived in that town, my life would be better. Or if I only had that job, my life would be better. Or, uh, oh, if I had that other relationship, I would, uh, you know, and I'm going to act on that now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break up with who I'm dating and go try that relationship. Or I'm going to sell my house and move to that city. And what you find out whenever you act on that impulse is that you take yourself with you. You always travel with your own baggage. And that to me is what the movie was about, this metaphor of if you could push the reset button and go to another plane of existence, why would you expect it to be any different? Because you're your own problem. The problem lies inside. That's what the movie was about for me. We have time for one more question. I'll get you. Yeah, uh, Eternal Sunshine was definitely an inspiration. I mean, for me, mostly in that what I love about that film is it's such a simplistic idea and theme, um, which is a guy trying to get over a girl, and then a girl trying to get over a guy. Um, and, 
and then the way that they explore that idea is, is so powerful visually and also I think because of that we feel something so much more for this very basic idea. Um, so I, I, I want to make movies like that because um, I want to make people feel in that way. Um, so Eternal Sunshine was one in this sort of grounded sci-fi-esque vein. Um, visually, uh, I looked at the master a lot. That was something, um, the, the color palette, the, the sort of... Um, yeah, yeah. Sure, I'll take that. Uh, uh, but yeah, and, and a bunch of I, I put together this sort of visual book. That's another thing that that I would suggest to people is um, I start to put together this book, and it's really for myself of like, okay, well, what are how does this look? How does this feel? Um, and and it becomes a pretty big book of a lot of images, and then. By the time that we're starting to make the movie, then I give that book to all department heads and my DP and the actors. And and I think it's, I just looked at it recently and it's literally, it's the film that I made. Um, and, and it all came from, you know, sort of six months of really thinking about that and piecing it together. So, um, but yeah, uh, Eternal Sunshine, um, Martha, Marcy May Marlene was one as well. Um, for some of the cult stuff, and uh, yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having us, you guys.